Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. This show is brought to you by Red Rabbit Insurance. As a real estate investor, I love working with companies and people who truly understand investing. If you're a real estate investor, I highly suggest talking to Ryan at Red Rabbit Insurance. Red Rabbit specializes in working with investors of all sizes, both for their personal residence, auto, and investment properties. Red Rabbit recently saved one of our investors $5,000 a year by switching to the exact same coverage. That's a down payment on a new rental. I personally saved 15% by switching to Red Rabbit, which is pretty significant. And Red Rabbit Insurance makes it super easy to get a quote. All you need is the address, your full name, and your date of birth. No annoying questionnaires to fill out and Red Rabbit gets you a quote in less than a day. Email ryan at redrabbitinsurance.com or go to the website redrabbitinsurance.com or call 1-800-560-3015. That's redrabbitinsurance.com. Call today to save some money and get better insurance rates for your investments. What is up, guys? I am pumped. And let me tell you, I get made fun of for saying I get pumped a lot, but this, I am really pumped. <laughs> you get this made one. fun of for that? Yeah, some of the guys who listen say that on, on a lot of our shows, I say pumped a lot. It's like, okay. I open you, it up. I don't tell you. I'm, I'm excited. Supportive. Yeah. So I am pumped. Today I'm super pumped. Josh McCallan in the house, in the Trenton Hive, coming Woo! at you live. Yeah. This is good, man. I love your studio here in Trenton. It's absolutely, I really love this studio. Yeah. So, well, first off, the, the studio itself, I am not the designer of. This is the On Air Brands studio in the Hive. The studio is, is rock solid. Gets you excited. It does. Gets you pumped. Um, Multiple camera angles. Yeah, so man. Pro. It, it's, I'll tell you, the first time I ever walked in here, I got nervous. Did you get nervous the first time? Um, I was like, I, I see why you're good. saying that because there's literally guys. Okay, let me visualize it. You have Jake, a professional sound tech over there. Hey, yeah. Jake, how you doing? Yeah. It's a little louder. Oh, okay. That's Jake. Yeah. That's Jake. We have cameras all over, light kits, awesome TVs. Headphones in. I mean, Head, it is. Some of the best mics. We have sofas where people sit down and watch yeah. the you live record. It's so good. Yeah, I come here. So, okay, so uh, Josh McCallum in the house. Now, for those of you who don't know Josh, well, first off, you should get to know him. Just an amazing entrepreneur doing, uh, in my opinion, one of the most innovative people I've ever met. And I can't wait for him to tell you his story to everybody. Welcome, Josh. Hey, thanks, Josh. Right. I'm about to we, intro you. We have gotten to know each other well, yeah. so anything you want to ask, you can. So, Josh, what I want to do is I want to start, there's so much I want to talk about, but I want to start people at kind of the, I guess, more of the, the, the beginnings of your resort, running a resort. So you um, were on the Jersey Shore, I believe, essentially 
um, operating a essentially a rundown resort. Right. That Is was that our fair? first resort about eight years ago. Regionally pretty well known, actually, in the Cape May market. But that's and, how and, I got into resorts. And but, when you started, I mean, kind of paint people a picture of this resort when you kind of stepped into it. It was decrepit. Right. Not a great culture. Is that is that fair? Oh, yeah. So um, I love giving this story with all its uh, tentacles. So I won't go into all the, I mean, I don't want to take too long, but I'll give you all the tentacles. The tentacles are uh, my beloved uh, former partner had owned a resort. Oh, actually, he bought it before the recession in order to tear it down to build homes or condos. And I believe he ended up deciding on condos. Well, then the recession comes. You all remember that. You, the, the economics didn't work post-recession to tear down a, a concrete building and rebuild a concrete building. The cost per square foot on the beach wouldn't have made it. He didn't think, and I agreed with him, it wouldn't have made money. So we had to, we had to do an analysis. And this is where, you know, this is where our head was real estate development analysis. If we invest to reposition and rehab current property, we have to spend a lot of money right this minute. When will we get it back? And at the time we were a cash-based business. So I had never heard of the Burr strategy. Now, you know, the bigger pockets guys call me the resort Burr guy. But back then we were going to do everything with this this what family's office. Yeah, yeah. This family office is cash. Right. So not raising money, not a, any kind of a loan. But, but so that makes it even more intense because yeah. um, it, it, it added extra layers of stress. So at the beginning, we, we brainstormed a business plan and it was all based on rebuilding a building and making it pretty and expensive. And we thought, wow, if we could reposition hotels at the Jersey Shore, we could do that up in Nantucket, Martha's Vineyard. We could go more north. And here was our basic strategy. There's a hundred, well, we all know in the Jersey Shore, there's hundreds of these beat up old hotels that you and your family may actually go to and you spend a lot of money, but the building itself is unworthy. You would never stay there if it wasn't something that you culturally decided you want to be at the shore. So what if we can make them nice and deliver a four-star experience to you? We get so many clients. That was our goal. It didn't work actually. So the, the, par the paraphrasing of the story, it didn't work. We physically made a beautiful building year 2012 opened in 2013. Everything was going to be interesting. And I make jokes that the F word was often used at our front desk when we opened. And that was because I had, no, and even though we were the brand new prettiest girl on the block, we didn't have a management company that could handle the, the influx. It was not us. It was a third and this party. This is like a, just to paint the picture, it's 150 room. Yep. 125 hotel. rooms. Okay. Well, at that time we made it 110, but okay. So but 110 you, room hotel on the shore. Yep. All with, of a sudden we're with a open. season that's like four months to no, make money. Two and a half. Yeah. Okay. Two and a half, so short, short season, which makes it really tough. And you were open and, and operations were just not where they needed to be. And so this was a third party management company. We thought, oh, well, Mary, Marriott's a great brand. We can't be a Marriott, but we can hire people that are certified by Marriott. So we did. And uh, the bottom line was they were overwhelmed with the seasonality. They hired incorrectly. They lost about 30 to 40% of their staff in the middle of the summer, just natural attrition because they weren't running it well. So people get a job anywhere you want. So you just walk out this one and go get another job. And by the end of the summer, sometimes there were, it was horror stories, brand new property and people hated us. So fast forward, we decided to build a management company together. I was very happy with the, uh, my partner. He was a great guy. He had a good vision of culture and slowly but surely we implemented a new culture and we just, 
went for it. So I think it was a combination of having to focus on trying to understand the heart of hospitality, which took us years to kind of get our hands around and a tenacious entrepreneurial spirit of growing things. And so fast forward, that business um, became the seventh best hotel in America three years later because people voted it to be all over the country. It was uh, out of 55,000. when you were going through hotel. the, uh, the, the time when there were a lot of F bombs being said at the front desk, could you even imagine being a top seven hotel? No, no, no. I mean, it was scary, you know, cause our, at the time my focus was project management, construction leadership, you know, architectural design component leadership, you know, leading a team, co-leading this team with people. And I wasn't even thinking operations. It's funny. I was thinking like a builder, pretty lobby, pretty restaurant, nice furniture. You know, those were the things. And then three years later, fast forward, we're realizing all of those are net. There's a necessary basis for let's call it human comfort, but none of them will satisfy you. It has to be the human interaction. And that's where our, our new vision of hospitality helped us transcend yeah, Josh, uh, so first off, I'm just, I'm so glad you're on the show. We talk a lot about the intersection of real estate and tech on this show. I'm super passionate about tech. And um, I think one thing that's super important, I don't want ever to be lost on our listeners, and you honestly grasp it right on the button, is that even with tech, there's still a culture side to whatever you're doing. And in your case, with uh, your resort, you know, you do the whole rehab and you put in the best architecture in the world. But if you don't have the culture, you don't have the service. It, it all fell flat. Yeah. And, you know, fast forward again, we're, we're doing really well years later, financially really strong, better than our projections, but more importantly, really happy guests. And we, and it, it, it came to me. Happy employees. I would a very happy team. We actually don't have, we have team members because we're winning a game out on the football field every day. So here's my point. The hotels, remember I said that I know it's a, I know it's a braggadocious thing to say, and I don't mean it necessarily that way, but when we did hit that top ranking, meaning TripAdvisor, the worldwide ranking leader in hospitality, literally sent us a plaque that said top 25 hotels in America, number seven out of, of 55,000 registered hotels. I looked up all the other 25. I have all of them on my LinkedIn. If anybody wants to go to Josh McCallum on LinkedIn, you'll see this chronicled because it was such an amazing situation. And every one of the hotels that were in the top 25, the average price of the building was between a hundred million in my guesstimate to 500, maybe a billion. We were sub 20 million. Now that's a ton of money. $20 million for a building is a lot of money, but it's not even a 10th of our competitors. Yeah. So what I learned from that, and I think we can all learn is that if you, that there are other levers to pull to be successful in business. No, if you think, like in your case, you said the tech, let's spend a huge portion of our budget on the tech. Great. There's other levers that could actually double your income, creativity, whatever service. You're like the Oakland A's of the uh, Major League uh, Baseball. Yep. Yeah, we figured out other levers to pull because we literally weren't a $200 million building. Yeah. And we weren't going to beat them on prettiness. So, so you, I mean, awesome transformation, really hitting service, and then... So that's what led to you now taking over Renault. What do we do now? So there's a major difference between me uh, eight years ago when we're stumbling in the dark to build these resorts uh, with a partner and it's not my capital, it's all his capital and I am earning sweat equity. Right. And we're it's, it's, it became 
clear to me after lots of reading and kind of reflection and philosophical time that this was what I was called to do is to resort, uh, to lead culture and training in a resort that actually, and to deliver this type of hospitality to millions of people. So it might sound audacious, but my dream is really to deliver this. We call it authentic version of hospitality. And we can explain all that. If you ask me questions, I will, otherwise I won't go down all those paths, but fast forward to today. It's the year 2019 when we're recording this. We no longer work with that family office. So now we have all this skill to create wealth in the form of rehabbing and restoring the culture and restoring the building. How do you buy resorts? Yes, we have some resources of finance, but I just told you the average hotels that we competed against were in the $100 million mark. Yes, we don't have to buy $100 million resorts, but they're not $100,000 either. So how are we going to build the bandwidth to acquire these properties to build the wealth for us and for our investors. And that's where the major shift came in the last 18, 20 months. As a matter of fact, a mutual friend of ours, Dave Zook, uh, opened my eyes to the world of what is called syndication, or I, I like to call it capital syndication. But so here I was a major operator with skill and no comprehension of raising capital. And I have so many things I want to share with you about this, but one I'll tell you is they are two different businesses running a resort and doing it really well is its own industry. Raising capital and creating a security is its whole other business. It seems self-evident to you and I, but when you're at first thinking, let's buy a resort, you're thinking of it as one thing. But once my wife and I had an epiphany, we went to the Real Estate Guys Radio uh, training programs called Secrets of Syndication. Now the Capital Hacking Show that I'm part of, we take 10, 20 people with us every time we go because I'm, I'm like an evangelist of how to raise capital ethically and successfully. Yeah, and you even created, what I like is that each of these things you've done are actually different brands. So I believe you had accountable equity is kind of your, I call it your syndication or your absolutely money raising arm brand. Yep. brand. Uh, you've got uh, your latest resort, which I want to get into Renault. Um, but then you also have Viva May brand, which is really your hospitality. That's, that's our heart, right? Yeah. And, and each of these are kind of its own thing. And, and to your point, you got to almost treat when you're out raising money, you got to treat it like its own thing. There's, there's only two choices. Yeah. Either you could pretend like you're going to go out and raise money and it's just going to happen, or you can realize it's its own work and you better build a system, you better build a legal team, an accounting team, a finance team, to be honest with you. Once you touch someone else's money, it's a whole different level of um, responsibility. And, and it was really, uh, that's why we changed the name. That's why we gave it a name. That name, we always try to let all of our brand names be our mission. We just say, because you got to teach hundreds of people to work with you, how, what your mission is. So instead of creating a mission, the name is the mission. And that has been a strategy for a little while for me now. So accountable equity means we know you're holding us accountable. Yeah. We're the first capital in, so we're going to hold our own capital and our own money, uh, we're going to be accountable for it. And we will carefully accept the responsibility of your equity as well. Yeah. And so by putting that name out there, it's like I can't not talk about it every time. And I do on purpose. So can you explain to people how you acquired? So Renault is this resort, which um, some people call it a winery. At this point, it's almost like a wedding venue, I guess, where it has a hotel and a winery, golf course. vineyard, golf course, a spa, all, restaurant, all these different things. Um, and so I, I want to talk 
about how you used the Burr strategy right. to acquire this, which is, is so great. Like, so I, want, exactly I want our listeners right. to kind of think about how you can really start thinking about the world so differently as using real estate fundamentals into things that weren't traditionally used in real estate. So how did you actually, how did you talk me through, I guess, how you use the Burr strategy to acquire this with your syndication? So we'll, we'll back up and anybody who knows the Burr, I apologize. I'll, I'll do my best to do a David Green impression here, but David Green wrote the book recently uh, for bigger pockets. It just means buy. And, and there's actually a strategy to buy. You have to buy under value. It means to rehab. And then the next R is to um, rent it out at a higher rate using that use the, the second R to get the third R, which is a refinance and use the fourth R, which is repeat to not only get your cash back out of the business or your capital, but to be able to create a prototype again. It was funny. We just, you and I were at the, I think you were mid Atlantic when, when David spoke. Um, well, of course, David Van Horn uh, ran the program, uh, but David Green spoke just a couple of days ago. And he said, um, that the repeat, the fourth R is his favorite one. And I was, I thought the refi was going to be his favorite one. I know this is a little inside baseball as Eric laughs when I say that word, but the repeat means like what you and I think about all the time. That's the hack is a systematic approach to doing it multiple times. Now I don't say this too often, but that's what probably gives me a lot of peace at life because I'm not trying to make a whale's fortune on any one deal. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's why I believe in syndication. We're, we're transmitting our profitability to 40 other investors right now. Yeah. We have the biggest share and they have a share, a fair share. So why is that? So I'm so at peace with that. Whereas my former family partners and all that, they would have hated that because that meant they were diluted, right? Isn't that an expression? I don't want to be diluted, but we have a business that is intentionally dilutive. We dilute our own equity through raising capital. So to give people kind of a high level here. So you, you've now raised 5 million so 5 far million in, in other people's money. You put in some money yourself, which I love. We did the same thing in our syndication. We put in some money to prove we're, we're in on it. Um, and then you got a bank to come along as well. So you have kind of 5 million other investors money. You've got a, a bank and, and the, it's only year one. So the business plan has not yet bird. So Burr for a resort or anything of scale, it can't happen in the first year. I don't know if it could because economics of houses are different than economics of businesses. Right. So the David Green business works because a house is not valued on its income. It's valued on whether it's pretty and is better than the house next door. Where in business, it's only really valued cash on cash flow. Yeah. So what the, what the way a Burr works in resorts is you have to wait till you prove the cash flow. So it takes minimum three, but it should take up to five. So what we do is we promise our investors, here's how we did the business plan, guys. You're going to love this. We show methodically how we will grow revenue. By growing revenue and running a business, we will create net operating income. We will then show you that in the fifth year, that net operating income can be refinanced in order to create the Burr situation. By doing that, that Burr money now goes back to the people who gave us the $5 million first. That's another big difference that maybe I do that other people don't do. They get all their money back first. Whoever, Jimmy and Jenny, whoever put the money in. So you're not taking any profits out until, until they have all their back. money. And now that's a great distinction. And, and I know capital, uh, this is actually real estate hackers, but you guys on real estate hackers do all kinds of education and meetups. So I'm going to 
assume there's a little bit of experience in this, but I'll also uh, state it straightforward. We also operate the business. So I earn a paycheck by selling my time as a manager. Because you're both the um, property manager operator Correct. of the resort. And a partner of Infinite, which is, which at is Capital. Viva May. Correct. And then also the owner of uh, Renault. Um, well, and, and I'm, I'm similar to all the other Capital people. I'm actually equaled. When I put a dollar in, it equals the same value as their dollar. Else, yeah. It's just that because we put the deal together, we also have other cash flows. So you're right. We will not take our money back or our profits back until the investors have their money back. And then, uh, and so, so what you think three years you'll be able to, uh, no, no, we were clear, we were clear in our pro formas and in our business plan. We always say five now pray to God, we can beat it three. I'd love to be at three, but we don't want to mislead anyone. And you talked about something I want to hit on. You mentioned this repeat notion, which I love. And um, we, we definitely see eye to eye on this. Um, one of my my sayings is you got to take a lot of shots. And um, so your version of repeat is, so right now Renault is this first project we're talking about. With this organization. Um, I mean, you've, you've done previous ones, but your first kind of real big syndication. Um, what your plan is to do more. Uh, absolutely. What What our model is, Think about it, guys. You guys who are listening here, driving down the highway at 72 miles per hour, like my like our listeners on our show, you guys have probably heard Chad interview multifamily guys, some self-storage guys. Someday you'll probably have an ATM guy on that raises money. We're the resort guys. So we live in a very special niche. Um, now, transpose that onto your life, and you've been to a resort in your life. And there's the fantastic Hyatt's, the Hilton's, and the Marriott resorts. We're not talking about those. We're talking about everyone that's not them. Run and by mom, mom and pop. I usually guess. it's mom so and pop. We call mom and pop operators. Basically. And this is actually, I'm sorry, this is a deep interview, but I like this. Most people, when we were buying Renault as a, as a team, they thought I was doing it as if, as if it was a trophy property. This is what my life's work was to get this resort. And I always say, no, it's better. My dream is that this is part of a yeah. portfolio, which means... We, we're highly motivated to get your money back as an investor. Yeah. And we see the big picture. We're building systems here that a mom and pop would never build. Yeah, I mean, this, I mean the, the analogy to me, from every time I've ever heard you talk, is when Hilton made his first hotel, people probably thought, man, that's an amazing hotel. This is what you're going to do. And he had the foresight to say, no, we're actually just getting started. And we're actually going to create a collection of these things and a brand around it to operate on. And that brand will always be like, the collection by Viva May, even though this brand Renault is a 155 year old resort, I, I can't change that name, nor would I. It's absolutely fantastic. Right. Each, each, each will have its own name. Or it, it'll be whether the brand value has equity or not. And Renault has equity. And I think there's long term. But for, yeah, I know you want me to share a little bit about Viva May and we'll do it when you want me to. Yeah, no, no. Now's the first time. So I want you to talk about, and I hit on tech so much and we're going to hit on tech later in this, but I want you to, before I hit on tech, I want you to talk about what, so Viva May is basically your, your operating entity. It's our slate house. Yeah. It's our slate house business. Talk to me about, I, I know you believe so passionately about um, hospitality and what that means. What, what is your focus on running Viva May and, and how do you make it, what is your differentiator, I guess? Yes, absolutely. So the differentiator is probably... Uh, the name. Uh, let me tell you this name, and you'll see there's two differentiators. So number one is Viva May's uh, a stylized word, like you see in a lot of brands. But it's based on two French heartfelt words, to revive, 
the soul. So revere, shortened to vive, uh, to vive, and ame is soul. So vive ame. Now, we stylize that word. Obviously, we want to have a brand that will last us another hundred years. And this one, you know, we were able to own all the collateral. So here's why we chose the Dell. Our business plan is always to burr, to buy undervalued distress resorts. Therefore, we need to find the original physical soul, the soul in the building. And then the first soul we hear here to find and restore is the physical nature of the building. And the second soul, which is actually more important, is the soul of hospitality. And to infuse it in our team and to let our guests feel that peace and uh, create like these sanctuaries where, yes, you might like to golf and eat delicious food, but what if you felt loved the whole time you were there? Then you would freaking love the place. You know, you would, it would touch your heart. Not only would you have had a fun golf round and a fun meal, but, or a great wine, you would have felt better about life. Yeah, from the first time I ever met you, I um, think about Zappos sometimes and uh, they're famous for having great tech, but also great service and great culture that sits right behind it. And that's equally important to them. They'll, they'll, maybe they'll argue their service and culture are just as important as the tech are. I love what you're doing where, yes, and if anyone's been to Renault, it's a massive, massive undertaking. You should definitely check it out. Um, if you're in real estate, you have to go because I think you learn so much about rehab and vision and what's happening there. But you learn just as much about how important the culture side is. You do. I mean, we're in the middle of it. We're in the middle of the movie right now. So the building, some of the building parts, I mean, we have 120,000 square feet of buildings. Some of our buildings go back to 1860s. So others are relatively new up to the 2001, what the final one was built. So we're in the systematically disassembling some of the failed structures to make them cash flow positive now. Some of them are functionally obsolete. There's no ADA accessibility. All these things that you have to do. Plumbing, by the way, was a surprise. So <laughs> talk about, you love talking about failure points. One of our big failure points on this was we put together a strong budget based on all the aesthetic needs and the ADA and all the things I could see and touch. And I did not change the plumbing and I did not change the kitchens and I did not change old pipe electrical. I mean, I, I added electrical, right, but, but you weren't, weren't, weren't expecting to have none of that worked piping out. Problems. None of that worked out. The, the plumbing was so old and it went backwards. So if the road is on the North side of the building, all the pipes went South. Now, do you have any idea why? Because in the down 1800s, it was all septic, but now there's city sewer on the front for the last 20 years. And we're, we're like a mega conference center and, uh, you know, we have 11 venues for yeah, conferences and meetings and, and, and wedding halls. It's too late to go septic. Now we got to go city public. Yeah. So every single pipe is in the trash can. Who so, the hell wants to do that? Not me. <laughs> so so you're, a lot of mistakes like so that. You're, and it's interesting as I do, I do like talking about mistakes as you kind of went down the road, from your original performa, your, Maintenance rehab budget actually was a little bit light. You had right. to go, you had to put some more money into rehab for some of these things you talked about, like plumbing. Um, but on the plus side, and I want to talk about this, to me, and I always look at in business leverage and where things are going with tech and scaled business, leverage is everything. Your leverage point in this business is all about weddings. Oh, yeah, boy. Eric, Chad, you're doing me a great favor by like explaining this. I just had a fantastically smart investor there yesterday. I won't mention his name, but I love him. He's a friend of mine. But he invests millions, hundreds of millions in very precise businesses that have one moving part, you know, whatever. I don't want to get into it, but 
We don't. We have multiple moving parts. And uh, at first, investors were like, well, I get it, but I don't like a complex investment. I like a very simple multifamily concept where yeah. I have steady rents, 12, 12-month leases. I get the business, and I get my check. We're like, I like multifamily too, but you can't compound your wealth in multifamily because you can't change the rates. I actually think you have a pretty simple business. Okay, well, you're the first person, and you tell us why you think so. So By the way, to summarize, before you say why it's simple, we own we'll have three restaurants, four bars, four 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 ballrooms plus three auxiliary wedding venues, eleven conference rooms, two hundred and forty two acres, one hundred and seventy (laughs) eight acres of golf course, nine acres of vineyards, and a hotel and a partridge in a pear tree. There you go. Okay, why is that simple? So, by the way, I don't want to make it sound easy. Um, I like it, though. But I like you here's why. And I, remember, I don't remember this. I asked you this on a recent call we were on. To me, the whole business revolves around weddings. And if you can bring weddings, and then clearly there's a operational component of executing. I don't want to knock that. But on the sales front, if you bring weddings, everything else is going to hit. Amen, brother. You, you, I wish you were with me a year ago when I was raising the capital the first time. And we were in round one of capital. It was so hard to get that through because everyone is very smart who we talked to, but they could see each of the parts. And they're like, well, what if that, what about that? And I said, I agree. Well, watch how the dominoes fall. If the wedding brings 150 people and we're doing four at a time, or let's say 250, four at a time, a thousand people on Friday, a thousand new people on Saturday and three, 400 on Sunday. Cause it's a less popular day. Those people need bedrooms. So let's stop talking about whether we're going to sell the bedrooms out. We're, we're deficit. We don't have enough bedrooms. So that's a hotel. So yeah. uh, weddings dominates the hotel space. Then the hotel space is full of restaurants and bars that are used but for after parties. Somewhere. And I've been yeah. to your place. There's not a lot of food. To, there's no, yeah. you can't walk anywhere nope. when you're there, you're eating on grounds. And, and remember, so, so then you, the, the biggest thing I kept saying to investors is just ask me, if I'll actually sell the wedding. Well, hold on. Before you do that, keep going. So they got to stay on oh, the grounds. Oh, golf, by the then way. They, they, got, they, they golf. And there's a spa. So maybe if of course, someone you're a winery, you're probably going to want to buy a bottle of wine. Right. When I was first exposed to this, it was sold to me as a winery. Now, I, I don't call it a winery. I call it a wedding. Venue. Well, I was just on a famous show just like yours called the Family Office Club with Richard Wilson. And he called it a uh, uh, the resort winery business, uh, winery resort business. And I said, you're saying it right. It's Renault Winery Resort. And he said, you know, that's actually kind of cool. I never even thought of resorts with especially like that. So we are a resort and our driver is weddings. Now to Chad's point, I don't know if you remember meeting me back then, but before we owned it, I would go to everybody. I'm like, guys, it's bank owned. We're buying it for literally 27% of replacement value. Pennies. It's still open. People got confused. Is it open? I'm like, it's open. It's bank owned. And they had 795 women call in to have a wedding. I'm like, guys, you have no idea how many leads that is compared to the market. That is not normal. And so tell me, so you've booked, I think, 300. Is that no. right? So, so, so that was without advertising. And when you Googled the name, it said bankruptcy. And people still called and said, can I have a brochure <laughs> on weddings? Since then, we got rid of the word bankruptcy because we now own it. We've started spending millions of dollars improving it. And we spent advertising in the not.com we now have 1700 inbound calls we've sold almost 170 weddings in 10 months yeah it's almost a but but so what's interesting to me is that there's this the leverage point 
I think that for people who are really passionate about real estate and tech and where things are going, it's all about finding your leverage point. And for you, it's a wedding. And if you can hit weddings and you can hit weddings at scale, then you're going to have a profitable golf course. By the way, at a time when most I've, I've heard most golf courses are not profitable. And I believe you told me you're not even at full peak yet. And your golf course is yep. profitable this year. Yeah. And I mean, it's an efficient operation. So our local market loves our golf course. So forget the fact that we're about to bring in a national group of wedding guests. Cause that's what weddings are They're You know, you aunt Sally or your niece, Sally's getting married. You're going wherever you're told to go. If your wife says we're going. Yeah. So the local market is making us profitable and that blows people's mind. I'm like, so now watch what happens next year when 22,625 guests come because they're coming by contract. And I mean, they're I mean, coming. I mean, I can tell you prices going on Saturdays are going up. Exactly. And, and the, but your, your cost to run the course shouldn't change that exactly. much. Uh, so it's just so interesting. The leverage point. I love, God, I just, I love what you're doing here. I love the investment. I'm a, I'm a personal investor. Uh, yeah. For those of you, we're who so are, happy you did that. Um, Thank you, Chad. And it's something we don't actually normally do. We don't normally invest passively. We like to actually um, kind of invest in things that we can operate. But uh, we just love what you're doing with leverage. And Chad, uh, you and I have talked about this. If you don't mind, this is an interesting thing about accountable equity. I think more than one time when you said I'm going to do it because I like the way you believe in culture, I believe in your business plan, and I would say, but Chad, you're a tenacious young entrepreneur. You need your cash to build your company. And I kept pushing back, if you remember. And yeah, I've done that to a few young, talented people like you. Yeah, Nate that, actually pulled me aside and said, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't do it because I wasn't for it. I just he thought. Said, he, said, he said, does he not want our money? And then he said, or is he nervous about something? No, 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 no. I'm straightforward and transparent. Because when, you're, when you have an operating business as robust as Nate and as Chad, um, and I would have said this to Nate too, is um, cash becomes, there's flow issues. Yeah. When you run a business, cash flow becomes an issue. And when you invest with us, it's a syndication. So it is yeah, locked. Pushing money in. Yeah. That's the only thing I, I say to all owners of businesses. Yeah. Be no, careful we, of your cash flow. We, um, we were, we only did this at a time when, when we don't were have, stable. yeah, we don't, we have some stability there. Um, uh, we, we like that you joined us too. And you represent uh, one of the special type of our investors where you're extremely uh, gifted in many ways from running meetups and all kinds of things and you're touching the world and now you get to have the this exciting asset that's yours you are a partner you um we also i'll pause you in a second we also believe in smart money so yeah, in, that's in, what i'm uh, saying in, in, it's, it's by putting money in we're able to join the network that's and so i, I, I would encourage good. listeners to think about if you're gonna put money in places can you put money in a place where you can gain a relationship um, one of my best friends um, just invested in uh, Brandon's uh, at Bigger Pockets. His um, uh, self storage, or not self storage. Uh, he's doing a syndication around uh, mobile homes, and uh, and and he did it because he he wanted to grow that relationship and better understand. I thought that was like brilliant, and so I I, I like that. Is 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 by the way, a heck of a lot better than just putting money in the stock market, which so you know, additive, right? Yeah. Not only is it probably a better technical investment with taxation, but it's it's leverage. Yeah. And you're able to gain With relationships relationship. that, that can take you out places. Um, I want to hit on um, a, a, a one more. I'm going to jump to an, a new point here. This has been awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, what I want to hit on is, can you talk to me a little bit about where you see the resort business going from a technology perspective? Yeah, I mean. It must be something you're thinking without about. Without a doubt. Um, you do see, I mean, so the simple innovations. I, first of all, I'm a big believer in CRM kind of relationship software for hotels and resorts, especially resorts. So by the way, there's a small distinction, but you, I think it's impactful. Hotels are one thing, resorts are different. What 
The difference for you guys is the breakdown of revenue and business units is more diversified at a resort. Whereas a hotel, it's the rooms and a little bit of food. Whereas a resort, the food can actually be a lot. Beverage can be a lot. Catering, which of course is the only real lucrative food and beverage, can be robust, which is major robust at our property. And then rooms become a portion of all the revenue. And that's the back story. The, the front story is the human comes to a resort, the person, the guest comes to a resort for rest or peace. So you tend to have a higher touch opportunity and a higher touch responsibility. So at a hotel, if I owned, if I was a branded Holiday Inn Express, we, the business model would be reduce staff, increase tech. Very minimal touch, make it flawless and, and precise. Like here's welcome. I'll, is there anything you need from me, sir? Otherwise your room's ready and it's clean and, and there's even a bottle of water because you like water on the table, whatever. That would have been, that would have been an in and out. For us, it's, we actually teach our team to engage our staff. So why do I say all that? My dream is to invest more in the front desk software, to integrate it with marketing automation emails based on the preferences of each guest with task lists for each guest when they arrive. So what we've learned in the last eight years of building resorts, the way we do it creates a tremendous amount of return business. So the more they return, the more I'd like to amp up the service. And, and just to give me, like, so let's just say I go to your resort. I, I'm not very good, but I do play golf occasionally. Happy. If I broke, I hit 90. I'm thrilled by the way. I'm not very good. Are you, are you good? Oh, golf? no, no. I can't hit a 90. I know. No. I'm the first guy that I mean, buys your golf course. I'm an average I'm, I'm pretty good. Okay. So whatever. So whatever. I, I'd, I'd play. Some of my friends listening to this are probably saying, last time I played the chat, I hit like 105. So I, I've not been good recently because I don't play as much. But where I'm going with this is, so I, I play golf. Uh, I, I drink wine. You'd like to see the CRM trap that. Uh, spa, you won't see me in the spa. I don't even know what happens in a spa. Yeah, I, I actually, yeah, I agree. Okay, but I, I mean, my wife would be there, but I wouldn't be in the spa. Uh, what else? I'd be definitely having a chicken sandwich somewhere in your restaurant. Okay, so but these are the things I do. But you would know, hey, this guy's a golfer. CRM would capture that. And then you would be sending marketing out to me. Correctly. That, 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 that plays right. And then when I check in, the guest would say, Chad, good to see you. I don't see you have you booked here for a tea time. Exactly. Are you interested? Yeah. So you're going where I want to go. And at my last resorts, um, I worked hard to find a way to do that. Inside baseball, we had a piece of plug-in software because um, we also believed in the phone. See, resorts get a disproportionate number of phone calls compared to hotels, too. It's a very odd thing. It's just because there's so many amenities that people want to just dialogue about. Oh, and resorts, another odd thing about resorts, is they typically don't have the cookie-cutter room. So guests want to call sometimes and say, well, but I have my children. Is there going to be a way that when they put the bed out, I can still walk by it? You know, my point is it gets very precise in resorts. Right. So there is still a human touch. So my other CRM part we wanted was phone capturing almost like a call center. Like I know it sounds old school, but in resorts, it's still part of the life. And the better we can treat them on the phone, I thought the better that was for life too. It's the same CRM, I would imagine, yep. right? It's well, when they call in, they would you would type in and say, be. "Hey, I'm Jim Smith," and it would pull up Jim Smith's profile, and you would see a whole bunch of info. About it Jim should Smith. be, but the way we, the, like you, we had to piece a few plugins because there was like a call center software that was better at this than the normal property softwares. 
you. So no, this is an enhancement opportunity. Right now we, we upgraded our, since you're a tech guy, we did upgrade our operating system, but we have not yet plugged in marketing automation and we have not plugged in all that fancy stuff that's coming. So, so I guess so to summarize, you get uh, a, a better customer experience throughout the, the resort. And I would also imagine there's probably some innovation to be had in the tech world of, I guess, communication within the resort. That would be helpful. That once you check in, that you would get a, ta uh, a tag that says, by the way, tonight it's seven. We're having our GM cocktail. It's on us, first cocktail. Or, you know, or, or don't miss the Soul Cruisers music event tonight at nine. Tickets are still available. We would love that. It's not there yet. It's awesome, man. Um, Josh, I mean, I love what you're doing. Um, I want to I wanna ask you one more question. What, I mean, you must have learned a ton. I mean, you're almost through the rehab phase of a five, oh, right. of a major rehab project. Um, you know, you've raised a ton of money. You've already turned around a couple of hotel like resorts. Um, maybe give our listeners a story or, or, or something they could, they could take, take home that was something that you really didn't expect through this journey that, that you've learned. I'm, I'm sure you learned a ton, but. <clears throat> And, and you would prefer something through struggle or through positive? Positive is fine. Just something that you'd expect. Well, I, I mean, I'm, uh, this might, uh, we just gave a uh, presentation two nights ago to all these business owners. They invited us down to a hotel to speak at a different hotel. They didn't even, they didn't barely know who I was, but we went down and we shared all about service. They did the same. They wanted to, to their company in real estate and they want to learn how to do more service oriented yeah. training. So we're down there and we, this is the part that surprises the most about all of this. Um, I'm going to go a little deep. Is that okay, buddy? Hold on. Let's see. Listeners, you good with that? You okay They're with good. that? They're good. Don't, don't speed. No, Jimmy's good. Okay, you can Jimmy's speed. Jimmy's good. Jimmy's good. If you speed and I tell a long story and you get there when I'm done the story, it feels like it was a fast story. So Go deep. It was years ago. We um, were in our second year before we became successful running resorts. We're operators now. We're there a lot because... The GMs are the boss, but I'm the president. And whenever there's a gap of major, like if we lost an executive, we fill the gap, right? And we were a startup business still in that sense. So here's my point. There was this time when I would have to cover for the restaurant because the GM of the restaurant would just quit. And our GMs working 70 hours a week. I'm like, hey, I got this. We've never in. had an employee quit. Just kidding. We have yeah. employees quit all the time. So this was early on and we're still struggling to figure out processes so I became the restaurant manager for one summer, months of this stress. And I loved, I, I mean, I was happy to do it. I'm eager to be a service. Some nights we would do a great job. People would hug me. They'd tell me how wonderful we were. Obviously we touch the table, which means we make conversation, we ensure quality, all that stuff. The next night a chef wouldn't show up, a cook really. And it's chaos. You know, we're full, sold out every time. The building's sold out. Guests are coming from outside. And we're down to two cooks and we need four. It's just bad. So what do you do? You shut down half the dining room. Well, we probably should have if I was a wiser restaurant manager, but I didn't. So I just kept seeding everybody and it blew up. Cheeseburgers an hour and 25 minutes. Things coming out wrong. You're screwed because I can't get it cooked again. You know what I mean? Just nightmares. And those nights, no matter how much I touched the table, they hated me. Really, again, the F words, now the F words were at me before they were at the other people. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, geez, God. And I remember we're in a high intensity environment, New Yorkers, Philadelphians, very expensive. Everything costs a lot of money. So you, you, 
high pressure. And it just caused me to do a lot of thinking, soul searching. I was working a lot. I was fatigued. And it just, I, I it started this itch. Like, why is it radical? The love on Tuesday and the hate on Wednesday. And I came up with a principle just, you know, I, I'm trying to be reflective that this is very intimate. Food and beverage and hospitality is different level of intimate economic transaction compared to buying a pack of gum at Rite Aid. That's okay. And that you can only have a level of intensity maybe between a range of five and six, seven maybe. Whereas in a hotel, you can have a zero. They'll damn near pull a gun out and hit you in the head with it to a 10 plus where they love what's going on here. So the range was higher and the intensity was higher. So I came up with this philosophy and it's not, I'm not the only original thinker here, but, and I said, you know, something else is happening at the table. It's not just whether the cheeseburger tastes good or bad. It's something intimate and deeply personal. And of course we've all heard the things about the way to a person's heart is through their stomach or break bread when you're going to do business meals. And you know, it always means something intimate, doesn't it? Well, we said, we came up with this joke and I would teach my staff. This is this was the beginning of the, the culture that we teach now, right? I'd say, listen, the most intimate thing we can do, our bodies are like protecting our hearts and souls all the time, right? Like we're a physical force field or the candy shell around an M&M. M &M. But then there's a few times where the M&M shell breaks and they, the touch, you can touch our soul. The most intimate physical thing you can do with your body that touches your soul is make babies. You know, it's pretty obvious. I got it. I got it. Number two is eat and drink. And I said, it's when we sit down, we take things in and we just become vulnerable and become raw. If you mess with us, just like a dog who's eating, you shouldn't push them away from their food. It's similar in a human, only on a whole nother level of intimacy. And, and I always say liquor is quicker. So food and beverage, I'm glad we have beverage. I always try to make sure the beverage goes as fast isn't, as possible. Isn't third on your list sleep? Isn't that and your third is sleep. And my theory with that was when else do we literally shut down and become vulnerable is when we go to sleep. Well, in a hotel, when we control that, it can be very, it can be a pressure point. And yeah. I've been, I remember there were nights when I was coming out of the restaurant and I'm helping the night auditor. It's 1230 at night and some dude comes flying down. This is actually when we're running a good business. Furious. Listen, I'm sleeping on that full out bed and it's not the way you read it. It wrote about it on the website and he's ready to kill us. Right. And it's because his sleep is being disrupted, which means you can't get that, you know what I mean? Can't be restored. So very hostile moments or whatever, hospitality controls a lot of moments. It was when I connected, when we connected that intensity to the, the positive flip side of that. So if we, and this is another revelation, sorry for going deeper, it, that's all in the negative. What if you know it's that intense and you build an entire operating system to create intensely positive moments. So this became clear when we started studying the history of the word hospitality. And I, you love this story. And I'm going to just say it real quick, the six, 700 years ago, the etymology of the word was hospes, H-O-S-P-E-S. -E it was Latin. They used it all around Europe in different Germanic languages like English. And it meant three things in English today, hospitals, hospitality, and hospice. And you know how spiritual and intimate hospitality hospices it's when you let a person die with dignity and loved loved through their death and then you know how emergency important hospitals are what if hospitality just re-embraces that dignity so that was the major turning point for me and once we started teaching our staff the dignity of their work um 
you know, this is a long way to get to it, but people's lives got changed. And uh, we have team members, you know, Dan, our vice president, he joined me uh, just because he applied for a job three years, two years ago. And he said he, his life changed. He went from being a vice president of major food and beverage outlets and hating his life, working all the time, seeing work as a grind. Dude, he's like an event, like he's on fire and he's on fire because of how much it made his life better. And his wife, he says, my wife is happier with me. Children are happier with me. I'm more at peace in my life. It's just this transformation that's possible when you find real purpose in your work. And in hospitality, I didn't realize, really see it coming, but um, there's a reason why this is my life's work. Now, the whole raising capital thing has to fit, and that's why we have. Awesome, man. Sorry uh, about the deep dive. No, no, there. no. I mean, so many, hit on so many good points. Uh, obviously, I, I, so I'm a, I'm a huge believer in that it's great to have systems and tech, but you also, this the, the service element you're hitting on, the hospitality, yeah, actually touching people's hearts is is you can combine the two it's it's gold number one uh and then number two what you were ending with is a huge passion point of mine and people have heard me talk about it which is just good golly find something you're passionate about because it makes life a whole lot more fun and you clearly have um i mean touching in you know the helping investors invest returning amazing resorts and then creating a place where 180 you know People can get married. You can talk about intimate. That's, that, that is intimate. That's I mean, an interesting. By the way, think about the residual income from those people. I hate to say it on a math level, but this is one of those, for them, this will become a sacred place in their history of their life, right? Yeah. I mean, we, uh, so my wife and I got married at a vineyard, and I think we've been back there 10 times. Exactly. Uh, so I love the business you're creating. I love the, I'll, I'll keep saying, I think you've got really good, uh, leverage in the wedding business. Each wedding just creates lots of interesting wedding uh, um, revenue streams. And I think it's a great, the, 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 there's some reasons I wanted you on the show, but another big one was, I think it's just, I hope our listeners start to change how they perceive the world. And you saw something that you could take and use the Burr strategy to make an investment for others and really scale up and the huge opportunity was if I can bring weddings here, everything else will work. I need I need great hospitality. I need a great building, but but I can make money on basically on on the wedding opportunity. And you are it's awesome, man. You're a a inspiration to us and our listeners. So, hey, dude, you are. Thank you, buddy. All right, man. Thanks Just for being on the second theme. high five here uh, today. <laughs> if you, you missed that on the oh, uh, on well, the that's because we were on the show. Uh, by the way, you got to hear uh, Chad's interview on the Capital well, so, Hacking so Show. We haven't talked about this yet. So, Josh, if you like Josh, and I don't know how, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're not excited, you're not driving faster in the car, then yeah. you don't have a, a pulse, <laughs> first of all. Um, so then, by the way, just get off the podcast altogether because this is this is awesome oh. stuff. But assuming you are excited, Josh runs a podcast, Real Estate Hackers. Um, it's on my listen list. Uh, He's capital, got, capital Hacking. What did I say? You said your show, oh, but Jesus I love Sanders. your show sorry. too. I'm sorry. I'm getting tired. Capital Hacking, good catch. It does, it does. Capital Hacking is Josh's podcast. It's awesome. Uh, he takes a totally different spin on things than we do here, but it's really, really high-quality stuff. High-quality guests from really all over the country. Rob, Robert Kiyosaki. Kiyosaki does the favorite. intro, which is just, I don't know how you get better than that. <laughs> so he's got a great show, great guests. Uh, definitely check out Josh there. 
Uh, how do they reach out to you? You're a LinkedIn guy, right? Uh, I think LinkedIn's the easiest for me. Uh, why don't you guys just go there? It's my spelling, J-O-S-H and McAllen, M-C-C-A-L-L-E-N. That's awesome. Uh, definitely hit Josh up. And uh, and then the, the resort is called the Renault, uh, Renault Winery, which yeah. is in Egg Harbor, New Egg Jersey. Egg Harbor City. Jersey, uh, yeah. So if you're looking for a getaway to both, you know, get away for a day, but also check out a, a really cool real estate project. Uh, I can't recommend enough. And the last thing I'll close you with is Josh is still raising more money um, for his projects. And so I, Oh, that's true. Uh, and you know, the only thing that didn't come up, but I'll just plug it because you were at the last one and you're in my testimonial video of the learning grow experiences. So we, we flipped investing on its head and we said, instead of just taking people's money and running, Let's, educate. let's invite them back every quarter. Not only do they get their financial update as investors, but they get community, a meal, a tour, and they get to see the progress of their own asset. Yeah, so Josh has a really cool event once a quarter called the Learn and Grow event, which is um, educational, and we, we were lucky enough to, to check it out one time. It was, it was a pretty cool event. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is awesome. Josh, thanks so much. Oh, Thank hey, you. and by the way, we're having a conference, the Real Estate Hackers Ooh, Conference can't in wait. April 2020, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Are you going to be there? Oh, I can't wait to be there. It's an honor, buddy. Thank you for so having us. So if you want to meet Josh along with just about every other, not every guest, but a lot of our guests are uh, signing up to come hang out with us. We're honored. Josh will be there, and uh, he'll have some amazing talk, and you can meet him in person, hang out for the weekend just spend more time around, around cool people like Josh. Thank you so much, Chad, for everything you're doing. Thanks for all the work you do. You do work around the clock. And we're the beneficiaries. Thank you. All right, guys. We'll catch you next time. Real Estate Hackers Podcast. This was cool. See ya. See ya. So that's our episode of Real Estate Hackers. Thanks for joining us in your real estate investing journey. We come out with fresh new episodes weekly. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you would, let your fellow investors know about us. Also, if you've ever hacked or found a unique solution to an issue in the real estate space, hit me up. We may even share your real estate hack on a future episode. Check out our site at realestatehackers.com, on Instagram at realestatehackers, or email me directly at chad at realestatehackers.com. Real Estate Hackers is an on-air brands production. Huge thanks and shout out to Eric and the team at On Air Brands. Be sure to check them out at onairbrands.com. This is Chad Gallagher, your host of Real Estate Hackers. Hope to see you at our next meetup or live event. And who knows, you may even be the next guest hacker on our show. See you soon.